You're listening to Industrial Evolution, where we're exploring how industrial enterprise leaders can use emerging technologies to stay competitive. I'm your host, Chad Perry, CTO, software engineer, and digital strategy expert, and I'm interviewing the most innovative companies in the world to reveal the future of how we make, grow, move, and power things. These are the pioneers who are shaping the future of manufacturing, agriculture, transportation, energy, and every other industrial sector. In each episode, we're looking at key technologies, state of the market, the challenges of adopting technology into an organization, and success stories of early adopters who have been able to revolutionize their business on the back of these innovations. You can find more episodes and guest information on our website, evolution.industrial.fm. Enjoy the show. Today, we're speaking with Patricia Hume, CEO of Canvas GFX out of Boston, Massachusetts. Canvas is a leader in technical illustration software used by engineering organizations both large and small, including some of the largest companies in aerospace, defense, and manufacturing. What makes Canvas so interesting is that because their tool has been such an integral part of product lifecycle management for so many years, Pat and her team have a unique vantage point from which they get to see the future of engineering collaboration unfold. And that's exactly what we're going to be looking at today, the future of engineering documentation workflows with more effective collaboration across the entire product lifecycle from ideation to support to sunset. And specifically, how the industry, with the help of partners like Canvas, is using the cloud to break the chains that traditionally kept critical product data sitting on an engineer's desk, unavailable to downstream stakeholders who rely on that data to do their jobs efficiently and safely. So with us today is Pat, who joined Canvas in mid-2019 as the continuation of a rich career in operational leadership roles at software companies all over the world, from the Bay Area to Vancouver to Germany. Pat, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Chad. It's great to be here. I have so many questions because how we work together and socialize as humans has been perhaps one of the most disrupted areas of our lives in the last 25 years as the internet has emerged and evolved. So that's a fundamental point underlying this conversation and really digital transformation at large. But before we get into that, I'd like to know a little bit more about your background in technology and how you arrived at Canvas. Sure, Chad. Thanks very much. Well, I started my career uh, 42 years ago. I joined the IBM Corporation. I spent uh, 18 years at IBM uh, learning everything I could about how to run a company. IBM was great training ground for me. I then moved into a variety of different roles across the software sector, if you would. I was CEO of a company back in uh, the late 1990s, a B2B marketplace before marketplaces were in vogue. I traveled all over. I worked for Avaya Telecommunications as the group vice president of their global SME business. I worked at SAP in Waldorf, Germany. The job there was to run all indirect channels to market worldwide. And I got an itch to do small business. And so I went out to the Silicon Valley. I started a co-founded a company with my um, good friend, Gary Griffiths. Uh, we were a pre-seed 
startup in the AI space before I think AI was popular. I moved around then to different microcap companies. I ended up at a company called iPass, where I was asked by the board to build a strategy for an acquisition, exit through acquisition. We had a successful exit in February of, of 2019. And Gary and I, Gary Griffiths, who was the CEO of iPass, Gary and I decided to open a boutique venture capital company. The first company that came in for funding was indeed Canvas GFX. Gary and I did our due diligence. We saw something great there, took a decision to invest in the business. We bought the assets. We refounded the business. And I stepped in as CEO in July of 2019. So the first thing on my mind, and this is something that I actually saw in your LinkedIn um, somewhere, I think it was the LinkedIn company page, but we see this a lot now. We see this term product lifecycle management, and that's something that has obviously been done for a long time, but now it's really getting its due as a formal discipline. So what exactly does product lifecycle management mean? Why is it important now? And how has this concept evolved since, let's say, mid-1990s? In the manufacturing industry today, there is laser focus on transformation. I would say humbly that when you look under the covers at the manufacturing industry, it's really behind with respect to technology adoption. And so the manufacturing industries globally have been looking at ways to improve efficiency, uh, to drive higher quality, faster time to market, all those things that can improve certainly the bottom line, the margins of their businesses, while creating amazing products that are high quality that their customers will be proud to purchase. PLM is a discipline around how to manage effectively the workflows from ideation all the way through uh, fixed repair and then eventual end of life of the thing that the manufacturing company creates, manufactures, and sells to the market. What's interesting about PLM is the PLM solutions today are quite large software undertakings. You know, they're big products. And big is important, I guess, in the manufacturing world because of the, the variety of activities that have to happen from the time that the idea is created all the way through the delivery of that product to the market, customer success management, fixed repair, and eventual end of life. Technical documentation is one of those things that lives in the background, right? I mean, it's not sexy. In fact, you even used those words last time we spoke. It's it's not a glamorous thing, and yet it has to be done. It's vital. And I would even say if you look back in history, pretty much as long as things have been being built, there's been some sort of need to communicate around those. So, why is it that it's now a thing? So, the state of the market for technical documentation, creation, collaboration, and management is really not being served optimally today. And because of that, it's leading to damaging inefficiencies 
and slows the access to key information that the enterprise needs, but also its ecosystem. And so when you look at, yes, technical documentation, not sexy, robotics is sexy, and augmented reality is sexy, but you think a technical documentation is not so sexy, but trust me that it's highly pragmatic and critically important across the entire value chain of manufacturing. And if we if we drill down into that just a bit, think about the CAD engineer is designing the product and CAD metadata is highly complex and really candidly, the people that really understand 3D CAD information are the 3D CAD engineers. But when you when you move that information to the next step in the manufacturing value chain, the guys that sit there or the gals that sit there are not CAD engineers, and they need to be able to understand what it is that they have to do with that data. And so this is where technical documentation comes into play. You know, the essential data that they needed is trapped, if you will, in these CAD models, or it's a combination of CAD and some old 2D files or a PDF. And trying to bring this all together and translate and interpret it so that the, the complete manufacturing value chain can understand what it is that they're supposed to do with that data, that is so important to the success of the organization. And, you know, there are fundamental problems today that exist with respect to accessibility of that data set. And, and you know, the, there's two fundamental problems. One is the essential data is highly fragmented and it's stored in disparate and disconnected systems and it's difficult to access it. Yes, think about that, right? And then many organizations are using what we would call ill-suited applications or somewhat clumsy workarounds to create and consume the technical documentation that's so important for the full functioning of the enterprise as well as its ecosystem. So while it's not sexy, it's massively pragmatic and essential to any organization that you know has to create consume, disseminate, right? The visual documentation that supports the thing that they're building. And you touched on what I consider to be the crux of the entire digital transformation movement. And that is that we've got all this data that could be useful that is stuck in silos. And this is a result of adopting digital technologies over the last depending on who you are and what you've been doing in the last 30 to 50 years. And that data has been in these legacy systems that have been on site, that have been purpose built for individual activities and workflows within the organization. And we're now at a point where, and we really have been for the last 20 years, we're at a point where we can bring all that together in a connected environment and do so much more with it. So it's not just going to be one plus one equals two. It's going to be, it's going to be one plus one equals five, if you will. And that seems like what you're describing as well in the product lifecycle management space where you've got 
each step in the process, everybody needs access to data, but they need access to it in a useful way. And so that describes the necessity for technical documentation, which as I said before, is is nothing new, but it is new in the sense that we now have the capability of driving greater efficiencies through the organization. So I want to I want to keep going on that a little bit more and ask you how the idea of the digital twin fits into this, because it seems like this is the perfect application of this concept. Yeah, so digital twin technology is interesting. Yeah, uh, the idea was to be able to simulate a physical thing, right? The whole idea of sort of the surrounding data wasn't the initial thought process when we think about digital twins. Um, this begot the concept of digital threads. Yeah. So if we think about a digital twin and then subsequently digital threads, that's all about data, right? That's all about the data that's needed if you're going to simulate a prototype of what's being built. That's being that that twin is being created through the data that resides in the the 3D model. So Canvas has a data set, right? It is the data set of the metadata that is associated with that which is being built. Now, instead of creating a, uh, a simulated prototype of the object, we create the documentation to describe what that object is and how that object can be assembled and what subcomponent parts sit in that object, yeah? And so think about it as a data set that sits somewhat democratized, if you would, because it's all the data that's needed to document that which is being built, sitting as part of that broader digital environment, yeah? So, you know, I'm, I'm picturing, because I'm very visual, uh, I'm picturing that cloud, if you will, that has a component in it that is the the data set that is needed to create the documentation associated with that which is being built. Right? When you think about digital thread, you think about think about taking that thread, if you will, inside that tapestry of of that manufacturing uh, organization and the constancy. Yeah, the the persistence, the accuracy, right, of that is pivotally important as you move down the value chain, right? So I I created something as an engineer, and th- that has to be the the basis upon which the manufacturing organization plans the tooling and the quality assessment and the and the the process by which they're going to manufacture the product. And then that thread moves downstream, right, to the the quality organization, to the technical documentation team, to the marketing team, to the sales team. And that that thread being, if you would, braided across all these departments is critically important for efficiency, for high quality, for communication, uh, for interpretation, yeah, and 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 it allows people to have, if you would, a sense of comfort that the data set 
that they're working with is indeed correct, accurate, timely. Yeah. Now, when you introduce the cloud, right, which is what we do at Canvas, we bring the cloud in, all that data sits now in a cloud and is accessible by anyone in the organization. It's been translated. It's been interpreted, if you will. And now it's made visual for the masses, both inside the organization, as well as outside into the ecosystem. And when we think mm -hmm. about what's happening in the world today, okay, number one, remote working due to the pandemic. Number two, distributed manufacturing. Okay, manufacturers don't build everything in one location anymore. Yeah, they 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 do distribute the manufacturing of their of their goods that they create. And so the ability to have that data set, if you would, democratized, available, a single source of truth in the cloud as part of that digital twin slash digital thread makes manufacturing much more efficient, higher quality, and people can do their jobs more readily than they do today with all the silos that exist in passing that data over, you know, sort of the wall to the next department and over the wall to the next department. The ability for real-time collaboration around the content improves every aspect of that product. Yeah, I love that metaphor. I think that is so perfect on so many levels because you're describing a tapestry which really emphasizes the the art aspect of this because there is science, but the the art of digital transformation, of knowing how your process flows through the organization. And so what I hear you describe, for example, we were talking about the digital twins. Uh, your, a, a traditional tool might be a computational fluid dynamics or, or something that kind of sits in a silo that is useful for one particular team at one particular stage. And the technical documentation is something that is cross-cutting that supports the entire organization. And so it has to be something that it's not just it's not just well suited to one person, like the, especially the tools that you're using around technical documentation. It's not just that one person is going to be using this or one specific type of role. And I remember when I asked you about that, uh, when we spoke previously, you were talking about the customers and the stakeholders being really what it sounded like was distributed across every level of the organization and every kind of role. So um, I would like to, to come back to some more of the technology, but can you just help me frame the situation a little bit by explaining how Canvas, a tool like Canvas, fits into the organization and how do you get a tool like Canvas into an organization? If you think about an organization, um, think about, okay, there is the whole concept of what it is they want to build. And so there's a product manager, a product leader, right? An individual that has the market requirements that understands what it is that, the, that their customers want to be built. So we'll go in to meet with a product manager or potentially a head of engineering to talk about the need to have a best of breed capability around technical documentation. Now, the thing about Canvas that is unique is we are a best of breed tool. We are a, a, a combination of the best technical illustration capability married with the best graphic illustration capability 
combined into one workflow that is easy to use. So we go into the engineer and look, let's be honest, typically they have already a capability to create technical documentation because these companies have been around a while. But what's really interesting when we get into the conversation, we ask them what tools they use today. And of course they tell us, and, and it, it's the usual suspects. It's the solid work illustrator, or it's the Creo illustrator, or it's the, the technical illustration capability in AutoCAD. Yeah, these are the, the typical tools that are sitting there today. And we go in and we will demo the capability of Canvas. And what, what the aha moment is right away for them is, is across a couple key areas. Number one, the tool is extremely intuitive. So if you're not a CAD engineer and you need to be able to access that 3D metadata, you can do it as a, a quote, quote unquote, I'm putting in sort of quotations, a layman and when I say layman, I mean a non-CAD engineer it, it can use our product. And they recognize that right away. And that's one of the selling points. They say, oh, you mean I can free up uh, this expensive 3D CAD engineering resource to do the job I hired them to do. And this tool is intuitive enough that I can get someone that's you know, not a 3D CAD engineer to be able to create the output. And the answer, of course, is yes. And they see that right away when we demo the product. I think a a second thing that happens during this sell process is um, many, many, many manufacturers today use both 2D files and 3D files to create the the output, the 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 thing that they're manufacturing. So if you if you look at some of our customers in the aerospace and defense industry, they're still reusing components that they designed years ago using 2D technology because 3D technology was not around. Or if you look at energy companies that are running nuclear power plants, another customer of ours, they're using PDFs from 1980. And they, you know, <laughs> yeah, right. You start to get a little nervous oh, wow. there. Yeah. And when they see the ability to transform these older documents from what we call a raster file into a vector file, that is the digitization of this information. There's another sort of aha moment. They say, wow, this is awesome because digital transformation is part of our, our remit. And with Canvas, I can actually start to bring uh, my older documentation into, you know, today's world, right? D digitizing it. And then they also say, you know, one other really cool selling aspect of Canvas GFX is because of the ability to import these vast number of files, 150 plus different file types, um, companies that grew acquisitively that may have different types of CAD models, um, we're open, we're heterogeneous, we're not proprietary. So we can bring anything in that the company needs us to deal with to be able to create the output. So, you know, you start seeing all of these, um, I'll call them business uh, values. Yes, it's technology, but at the end of the day, it's the outcome that matters. So being able to have efficient use of your resource, yeah, any type of data that you need to work with, right, an open environment, yeah, and an all-in-one workflow that's highly efficient, to me, the outcome is, you know, better utilization of my resource, more efficiency, 
ergo lower cost and candidly higher quality because I don't have to sort of cut and paste, um, mash up sort of the, the different types of information that I would have to do if I wasn't in Canvas, right? And we do have capability uh, for Photoshop and for the, you know, the creation of slides. And, you know, the, somebody asked us, a customer asked us the other day, wow, this is so cool. This is also visual. Can we also write text? And our system engineer said, sure, you can write a book if you want. So, you know, it, 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 <laughs> it, it is an all purpose, you know, capable product. Yeah, and that sounds like the true innovation there. I mean, we haven't even we haven't even touched on the cloud collaboration aspect of it. We're just talking about bringing together multiple sources of data, and that alone is a significant innovation, especially in these companies that, like you said, frankly, are kind of behind the times. I mean, I, I've seen I've been seeing for the last 15, 20 years manufacturing companies that feel like e-commerce is a new thing to them. And it, and it is. To, and to be fair, I mean, they've been able to get away with participating in the market and being successful with what has worked in the past. We're at a tipping point, really. The other aspect of the innovation seems to be the collaboration. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you actually do with that data once you're able to bring it all together? And I mean, you can't just leave it in a document and pass it around by email, right? Like, how do you actually collaborate better? And how do you do this in terms of being a more efficient business if you're in charge of that kind of thing in an organization? At Canvas, we have created a cloud platform, and it's called Canvas Envision. And Canvas Envision, we're saying, is a single source of truth for creation and collaboration of visual technical documentation throughout the ecosystem and the enterprise. So here's how it works. Customer creates his output. You know, the engineer creates his output. The sales guy creates his output. The, the procurement organization creates the RFP document, whatever. And then instead of publishing, to your point, Chad, to a, a file on your desktop that you then email around, right, and wait and wait and wait, and then they email it back, and then, you know, you have to do your changes, and then you email again, right? So think about the back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and, and the errors that are more than likely going to end up there because of all the back and forth, yeah? Instead of publishing in that manner, you publish to the cloud. So that data set gets published into the cloud. And then we have this con uh, concept of collaborative clients, right? Not, not new, been around for a long time. We all use our, our mobile devices and we access stuff we need like Netflix or Spotify or Office 365, whatever it might be. Um, same is true here for Envision. So these collaborators can now seamlessly and in real time access the information that has been published to the cloud. So instead of emailing around, I would go into the cloud and look at what Chad just created. And in real time, I can comment, annotate, highlight, and communicate with you about what I'm seeing. And perhaps say the chassis dimension doesn't look right or the, you know, the wheel isn't placed right. And you're seeing that in real time. 
And so you think about the efficiency gain in that example, it says that the, the, the ability to get it right the first time before the design goes into manufacturing is facilitated through a much more efficient way to um, communicate, collaborate around that data set. Let's, lose, let's use, so that's an ideation into manufacturing kind of example. Let's go at the other end of uh, the manufacturing life process, and that is fixed repair. Real world, okay, real world example. We are blessed to have um, some advisors in our company, one of whom works for the United States military. He's a, uh, a commander in the United States Navy, and he's helping guide us to understand sort of the problem set that the United States Navy faces as it relates to accessibility of technical documentation. So real world example, you know, things break, right? I mean, airplanes break, ships break, tanks break, Humvees break, yeah? And when, when the military teams are out in the field and something breaks that's pivotally important for them to continue whatever mission they're on, today, unfortunately, there's an awful lot of paper still out there. And so the, the technician that is responsible to fix something has to look at a paper manual, has to order parts. So there's a, there's a time lag and there is extreme inefficiency there. So just think about the world when InVision has published that data in the cloud and the technician has an iPad connected to a satellite in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and he or she is able to not only visually see the, the fuel pump that they're trying to fix in the cloud because it's facilitated through Canvas, but they can also, if necessary, collaborate with those quote-unquote experts that built the thing or the troubleshooters and be able to very rapidly and efficiently make the changes needed to fix and repair whatever that was broken. So instead of dusting off the manuals, you know, these young millennial technicians get to use the tools they grew up with and it becomes much more efficient and saves, again, I'm all about the outcomes, yeah? It saves time, money, and gets the ship or the plane back in the air more quickly. You mentioned that the engineer who is trained, who is highly skilled, whose job it is to do something like 3D CAD, we can free them up to do what they're good at and allow downstream stakeholders to be able to build and utilize documentation. So that's one that's one form of efficiency that's available. The second is around the collaboration. So you get just a, a more efficient workflow across your entire organization when people have to work together. So you're not passing around paper documents, you're not passing around emails or anything like that. Everything is in a central location, accessible everywhere. And the third, which you were talking about with the Navy, you're talking about the downstream end user, the, the customers of your customers potentially. Obviously, Canvas can be used by both manufacturing companies and by their customers who are doing more technical things with the things that they're building. But what I heard you describe is what I've heard across all of these conversations around digital transformation, whereas we're, Industry 4.0 is enabling new business models. And so when you have a technician that's on the ship and they are able to communicate potentially in real time 
with the manufacturer of a product and work with people who are specialized in troubleshooting or people who are specialized in whatever it may need to be, that opens up the opportunity for new streams of revenue. If nothing else, it opens up more efficiencies. So is that kind of where you see this going? I mean, where do, what happens to the companies that don't do this? I think they continue to have problems with their margins and customer retention and customer success. Yeah. I mean, I think the with everything that's transpired in the technical world today, uh, people that are not embracing new technologies are, are left behind, unfortunately. Yeah. Now, the reason the manufacturing industry is still okay is that none of them have moved rapidly. So if you would, you know, they, they're moving as a, as a group. Yeah. I speak with a lot of the large manufacturers today and I talk to their innovation uh, experts, if you will, or the head of innovation uh, or digital transformation in their companies. And there is so much focus on this and those that don't do it, as I said, they're going to be left behind the, the availability of technology today is vast. And while it's vast, Chad, you and I spoke about this, some of it is monolithic. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I, I'm very proud about Canvas is unlike the very large PLM solutions or supply chain management solutions or, you know, building out a product data management backbone. Those are, those are big undertakings. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I understand that having worked at SAP for a while, ERP implementations are hard. PLM implementations mm-hmm. are equally as hard. Yeah. And I think the, the thing that we've done at Canvas is we're giving manufacturers of all sizes an opportunity to get started. Um, we are a, as I said earlier, with this best of breed combination that is, able to be plugged into the workflow, right? So, so think about it as a component of a, of a PLM workflow where along that PL, as we talked earlier, along that PLM process, you know, think about dropping in a best of breed technology at each critical point in that workflow and being able to do it in really hours, not days, not months, and certainly not years, but within hours, you take something that's not sexy, yeah, highly pragmatic, you drop it in. By the way, we do have APIs so we can integrate into these systems to be you know, very seamless as it relates to those workflows. So we drop in this best of breed technology where it fits, and now you can create, collaborate, disseminate and consume within hours new information that's pivotally important across the entire enterprise. And for me, whether the company isn't able to embrace the big solutions because they may be a mid-sized company or a big company that's embarking on this large implementation of new technologies, we can come in today and start that journey uh, very, very rapidly. And we've been told by um, some of our customers that their ROI is less than 30 days. And 
you know, I can't stress enough the importance of delivering true business value to our customers through innovative technology. Yeah, the technology itself is interesting, but without that ROI and that value that we deliver very quickly, um, you know, I don't think that we would be seeing the amount of adoption that we're seeing without that. Does that make sense? Yeah, and that is such a good point. Ultimately, digital transformation is, of course, about getting greater value out of your existing resources. You want to be more efficient. And so I actually have two different scenarios in mind that that we've kind of touched on here and there, which is one, you've got maybe an engineering side leadership role, like a product lifecycle management or manager, somebody who's who's in that zone, in that mindset, and this is their thing. They know about it. They care about it. They're actively looking for a product. And then on the flip side of that, you might have somewhere else in the organization, probably higher up, uh, maybe a C-suite who knows that they need to do something with digital transformation, but they kind of have the same question that a lot of people have, and that is, well, where do I get started? So I'd like to look at both of those scenarios and start. let's start with the engineering side. Just look at what that question is that they are typically facing at the point that they find you and come to you? It's a great question. So, I mean, I, I, we have a lot of, thank God, we have a lot of customers. And so we've had an opportunity to learn by listening to how they think through the challenges they face and then how we um, work with them to to sort of resolve those pain points or problems. So let's talk about the engineer to your request. So we're working with a very large company right now in India, and it is 100% with their engineering organization. So interesting, we've done, you know, multiple meetings, multiple dialogues and conversations with many, many, many of the, not only the management team, but the actual share uh, stakeholders and, and the guys and gals that have to actually produce the outcome. So they came to us with a pain point around efficiency. Yeah, um, their their current tool sets um, have not been updated and innovated. Uh, they are hard to use for the, the, the teams that are responsible for uh, using those tools to do their jobs. And as they hire new people, they're a very successful company and they're fortunate that they're hiring new people. The, the new genre of worker uh, looks at the UI, UX of these tools and, and it's very difficult for them because they're not modernized, which is causing, as you can imagine, pretty gross inefficiencies. And then couple that with the price of the tool itself. Yeah. So you start to unfold the problem and the problem is cost and and usability, if you will. Yeah. And so when we begin that discussion, we're able to demonstrate that the uh, the tool is highly intuitive, right? I can use the Canvas GFX tool. Um, you know, certainly an engineer, a technical writer, anybody could use the Canvas GFX tool. When we move to Envision, we've even modernized the UI UX even further so that if you know how to use Microsoft Office 365, you know how to use Canvas Envision. And we did that intentionally, right? Because we want something that is new and modern, but familiar, right? And so, so when we, when we look at that engineering organization and 
unearth those problems, it's efficiency, it's UI, it's UX, and it's cost. And so we, you know, we come in with a demo and we demonstrate compatibility, like feature function. And then we show how we're different. Yeah. First and foremost, because they're engineers, the feature and function set, right? They say, hey, can can you handle tessellation? And we say, of course we can. And I had to look that word up just in case anybody in your audience is curious, does Pat really know what tessellation is? I didn't before we were asked. The good news is our CTO was on the call, so he certainly understood, yeah. But you know, it's that kind of thing, right? Now, when you get into the C-suite, right? We're talking about clear ROI, clear business advantage, right? The, the Those vectors that the C-suite worries about, which is impacting the bottom line through customer retention, through uh, efficiency gains, you know, higher quality products, right? Lower cost to get the product to market, yeah? And when we're there, the... Canvas Envision solution truly resonates. And, and they're, you know, when we say connected and collaboration, they really start to pay attention because uh, they will admit uh, more so than not that the ability to collaborate around their technical documentation needs has been sorely missing. Yeah, that's number one. And then when we talk about the digitization of those old dusty files, yeah, they they perk up again. We had a customer that said, "Look, we need to digitize these file drawers." Yeah, I mean, they were using that as an image for us, so we could understand that there was reams of paper sitting in file drawers. Now, whether that's true or not, that was the metaphor they were using for us, and I believe it's true. I'm not sure if they're in file drawers, but I know they're still dependent on that paper. And so we came in and we were able to ingest that those, those files into our uh, Canvas creator engine and actually digitize them. Um, you know, we're aware of the needs of things like optical character recognition, OCR, when you're dealing with, um, you know, textual documentation versus uh, visual, uh, you know, 3D image documentation, yeah? So it, 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 it's, it's, really, it's really interesting because we can talk to anybody in the enterprise and or its ecosystem. And I can say with 100% confident humility, and I mean that sincerely, we can solve their problems. So many different positive outcomes there that, that leadership across the organization is going to be looking for. And you actually hinted at something, but didn't quite articulate it. And that was this idea of retention. And I wouldn't even see it, say it as retention. I would say there's a problem that you've got as the younger generations come into the workforce, their expectations are set by modern technology. And so if you have a young engineer coming into an organization, and even, even in university, they're using the latest SolidWorks, the latest, uh, the latest Autodesk, whatever it is, that has a nice intuitive interface, and you come into a company and you're expected to use this old system that feels like it's from the 1980s, that's, that's a real source of frustration. And I would argue that it's to the point that it can actually severely not only impact your efficiency, but impact your creativity and your willingness 
to try new things and to just have that creative mindset so that you can constantly be improving and and creating useful things. And so that's also another selling point that I think that tends to go unspoken. Where do you feel like hiring and people and enabling innovation in an organization fits into this and how a tool like Canvas can have an impact on that? Great point. Because when we were uh, first thinking through the company strategy and how we talk about what we do, we had a whole long conversation about the tech millennials, right? And and what do they need? You know, you do, you always understand personas when you're trying to build a business and, and market appropriately. And, you know, we, we spent a lot of time thinking through, well, how do they, what do they need? How do you... To your point, Chad, how do you keep them excited and creative and and um, enthused and and retain them? Yeah, and and so what we what we recognized, and it's it, it's not rocket science. It's obvious that you know having mobility, a mobile device anywhere, anytime, connectivity uh, was crucially important. That's what they're accustomed to. Yeah, they don't want to be trapped to a desk. And especially in today's world, they have to work from home. They have to work remotely. They have to be able to do so. And it wasn't, we didn't plan for the pandemic, but we understood that remote remote access and remote working was real, yeah? Even pre-COVID-19, uh, right? And then post-COVID-19, probably the new normal. So that that's one aspect. And then you think about... Um, how how people consume data today? Yeah, we don't we don't consume just written words anymore. Um, with the with the evolution of moving into three D, people have been now grown accustomed to be able to see something and not just see it in a two dimensional picture, but be able to take it apart, look at it, turn it around, animate it, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's also something that. Um, you know, this new genre of, of the workforce is so accustomed to. And and so, you know, thinking through all of this, we said we have to build something. It's almost like you think about um, ergonomics. Yeah. You think about the human aspect of using our product and the experience they have in doing so. Um, I think that 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 that's so true to your point about their expectation and and what types of tools they want to use to have fun at work, not feel old and archaic. Yeah. Great point. And we're we're hoping that as we continue to roll out the Envision platform, that more and more of the capabilities we roll out are more aligned with the needs of sort of that broad workforce. Yeah. That's all about, it really comes down to technology being about people. It's not about technology. It's about people. And so we haven't even touched on some of the actual features that you guys are bringing out pretty soon or that already exist in your uh, in your product. I mean, I, I know that we talked about AI and, and you can obviously collaborate across existing chat tools like Slack and stuff like that. So what I want to do is I'd like to look at maybe a specific customer that you're really proud of that you think represents the full spectrum of transformation that's possible. Yeah, so it's not a big company. It's actually a startup, and it's called Behex. Very, very interesting business. So let me tell you a little bit about them. They are 
effectively combining 3D printing with food production. Now, you know, you think about Star Trek or you think about, you know, oh my gosh, this is different. You know, we're, we're going to the simulator and having a, a, a cake created. Well, indeed, right now, this company serves the commercial bakery market with robotic food decoration machinery. So food decoration automation. Okay. But this then triggered for them the idea to start working on how they might create desirable food on demand for astronauts in deep space, space missions. Um, pretty cool. Currently, they're working on a solution to deliver tailored nutrition bars for members of the U.S. Armed Forces. So what they've done is they have designed a very sophisticated hardware machinery from scratch. They manufacture it. They have subcomponent assembly suppliers, and they have a rapidly growing customer base that needs to install, operate, and maintain the hardware in the field. So they have various needs for technical documentation across various audiences, but they're a tech startup. So they don't have the scope right now for in-house illustrators. So they rely on their engineers, the guys that are trying to build this very sophisticated hardware. They say to them, okay, guys, you know, stop inventing and start writing. Yeah. Um, so they came to us and they said, look, guys, we need something very simple and intuitive, but it has to be really flexible for us to be able to create the documents. Um, they said they needed the ability to share the documents and to collaborate with all their stakeholders from their suppliers through to their customers, which is what we talked about earlier, Chad, right? I mean, we're not just talking about inside the the, the enterprise or the, the subcomponent manufacturers, but also the customer of the customers, right? This is a great example of that. And so, and they came to us. Um, we presented to them our current product set. Um, they quickly, quickly embraced um, the the value. They they got it right away. They are a customer of ours today, and they will be moving into the Canvas Envision Cloud, which at that point will make it then possible to be able to actually use the cloud and collaborative connectivity to serve out the information to this ecosystem as well as to this customer base. But they have to get started somewhere. And so they are using the Canvas X3 product, which is the combination of our 2D, 3D file types into this all-in-one workflow product that we spoke about earlier. It is our predecessor to Envision. And so we're very cognizant of if someone creates something in our X3 product today, we have to ensure seamless migration to the cloud. It's not a bait and switch. It's We're very, very thoughtful on preserving that investment and ensuring that the customer doesn't have to start over when we introduce the Envision solution. And so BHEX is a, is a great example of someone who's on a journey with us, and we're also on their journey as they move from you know this uh, capability to have complex hardware for cake decoration 
to being able to create food on demand for astronauts in deep space. Yeah, and this is what I love about the future. I mean, we really are living the future because we're having a serious conversation about the needs of deep space missions that will happen within our lifetime. We're looking at, you know, it, it makes sense when you think about 3D printing of food, but it's not something that I would have just thought about randomly. So it's amazing that a company like this can come to you guys. And if you had talked about this maybe 10, 20 years ago, if you'd had that conversation, you would have been talking about long lead time, long adoption process. And and to be fair, I mean, I think in a large organization, and I know you said these guys are, are a little bit smaller, but in a large organization, as you get bigger, the adoption process becomes more complicated, but you have to, uh, because you have to get so many people involved. But I think that that goes to the point of what you were saying about being on a journey. Not only are your customers on a journey with you, and so they're moving to the cloud as you move to the cloud, but this is truly a journey in the sense that, especially because it's a SaaS tool and it's simple, that you can plug into the organization at various points at your own pace. So what was life like for BHEX before they came to you? I mean, what were they what were they actually doing without this product? They were using these high-paid engineers who want to create, right, new ideas and build new specs for the machinery and think about 3D food manufacturing, 3D printing food manufacturing. Instead of doing that, they were using those engineers to create technical documentation. That's one example. We have many companies who were in the same boat and said, you know, the issue is that we're using our high paid engineers to create our technical documentation. And with Canvas, that's not necessary. Right. And that that would go back to so many issues that we talked about earlier, like the frustration of not being able to do what you're good at. And by the way, you've got a highly specialized, highly skilled person that probably took a long time to find and to train into your company. And you definitely don't want to waste their talent on something like technical documentation, which is absolutely critical to the business, but that can be done perhaps even better by somebody who is set up and equipped to do that properly. I would say that it's very representative of the process when we're looking at startups, when we're looking at small, medium enterprise, right? Because they don't have the vast resources that large enterprise has. And so this need to deploy resource effectively, efficiently to get the job done is a recurring theme in both startups as well as SMB. In large enterprise, it, it's a bit different. It's, it, it's, it's a little bit more about uh, the inefficiencies of data silos in the larger enterprises, right? Because there's more departments involved, there's bigger data sets involved, uh, there is a global nature to the problem that is distributed manufacturing. There is uh, additional complexity around remote accessibility. Yeah. And so when you, when you move into a large enterprise, the problems are different because of the nature of the size of the company, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, and I would say that that should be a warning to anybody who is responsible for the future of a larger company. As you get larger, your inefficiencies get amplified and it becomes more difficult to make sweeping changes. And of course, one of the the lessons that we keep hearing of digital transformation is don't try to do it all at once. Just take bite-sized efforts and of course, a tool like Canvas is great because it cross-cuts the entire organization, but yet you can adopt it in small increments. So when you talk about a larger organization, I, I worry that this is the comp- this is potentially the competitive death of these organizations. And, and perhaps this is what we see, you know, when we, we have this every generation, right? Google came along, Amazon came along, and eventually those guys will be put out of business by somebody else. So what I'd like to leave our audience with is, is there anything related to that that you feel like, is there any kind of message around that that you feel like is urgent to impart? What what would you leave both smaller organizational leaders and larger organizational leaders with? What would you leave them with to impart some urgency? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, you and I did talk about this, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you talked about getting started and starting to see the value of different technologies as it relates to the the transformation that these companies are embarking upon. Um, I am a proponent of best of breed technology. I believe after 42 years in the tech industry and watching the continued evolution of technology, innovation, and advancement that companies that are willing to take cupcakes versus wedding cakes, that is get started with, um, you know, using the bakery metaphor, uh, you know, being able to get started in small steps towards the eventual, uh, you know, the eventual adoption of vast uh, technology improvement. I really believe that is the right way to go. And I don't care whether you're a, uh, a multi-billion dollar blue chip or whether you're a startup, I think that you know every journey starts with its first step. The first step doesn't have to be sexy and you know state of the art. The first step needs to be impactful to the organization as it relates to the uh, the business itself. And so my my simple biased advice is: let's get started. Let's take it a step at a time. And I think what what we find is we're always delighted and surprised by what that first step can actually produce for us. And then we learn how to take the next step and the step after that. And so we're seeing constant, continuous improvement rather than waiting for the whole thing to be out there. And, And then in a few years, we're done and we look behind us and we've been left behind because it took us too long, right? And Canvas GFX is a pragmatic, innovative solution that allows people to to get started immediately to see the benefits of digital transformation. That's right. And that's something that I have heard consistently, and I'm sure that leaders at every level of the organization have heard just get started. It's almost so simple. It's like, well, what do you actually do with that? But the takeaway for me is that if in this particular case, if you think that there is some sort of improvement to be had in your organization around collaboration, 
around technical documentation, particularly around improving your product lifecycle management, that you want to find a partner like Canvas who has a product that can address multiple issues in your organization, but not have to do it all at once. So on that note, what is the best way to reach Canvas or to reach you if somebody is interested in potentially using a tool like this? Yes, thanks, Chad. I I love talking with potential customers. So my email is pat.hume at canvasgfx.com. And I am highly responsive because there's no better way to build great technology than to listen to the voice of the customer. Well said. Pat, thank you so much. I wish we could have gone more into the technology, but it looks like our time is up. Take care. Thanks, Chad. It was fun.